Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Well, if there were more children here this morning, I was going to ask them what they got for Christmas. I mean, Jamie and Wesley are about as close as we have to children, (laughs) or Derek. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you, but it's always kind of interesting on a Christmas day, in spite of the fact that it seems like there is much more of a habit these days of people to start opening up presents way before Christmas. I'm amazed at how many people write me or tell me, you know, we have this habit. It's, come, it's called the 12 days of Christmas. And I said, yeah, I, I've heard of it. And they said, no, 12 days before Christmas, we start unwrapping gifts. And it's like, what do you have left on Christmas Day? But isn't that a great question? What'd you get? What'd you get? I mean, that's a funny word anyway. It's all kind of jammed together. What'd you get? What'd you get for Christmas? Well, today we're going to talk about, you know, you would guess, you come on a Christmas day, we're going to talk about what we got, the greatest gift of all, and it's the gift of Jesus. I find it kind of ironic, though, that the Christmas story sometimes gets lost in the celebration of Christmas. I think one of the television channels is showing a Christmas story 24 hours a day. I like that movie. It's a funny movie, but it doesn't have much to do with Christmas, really. The Christmas story itself is a beautiful story, and its drama is overpowering. I want to read to you what one young person, how they described Christmas story. A young unmarried girl about to give birth to a child who is destined to lead his people to freedom A man so in love with her and so confident in God's faithfulness that he defies social customs and marries her anyway. And then a whole band of mystics or gypsies spent years following a star they believed would lead them to a new king. A greedy, insecure ruler commits murderous atrocities in a village in order to protect his throne. A gang of teenage boys working the night shift witness an extraterrestrial worship service and a little baby born in a stable changes the course of history. What'd you get? That's what you got. Kind of makes you wonder sometimes when you even hear that simple telling of the Christmas story again, how a show like Rudolph or Frosty could even begin to hold anybody's interest when the real story, when you think about it, is so very compelling. One of our members watched... uh, Uh, some sort of a Christmas show, a depiction of of Christmas, the real Christmas, not long ago, and wrote me an email and told me how they wept when Mary and Joseph first looked at Jesus and they had tears in their eyes and they thought, man, you know, what is it? What a wonderful present, what a wonderful gift that is. Who knows, Harlan, maybe umpteen years ago when you were born on this day, people cried, hopefully tears of joy and uh, celebrated your birth. But imagine the gift of Jesus into this world instead. See, Jesus came into this world to be the best gift any of us could ever get. And, of course, we know that he, what he came to do. He came to save us for our sins. All of us that are gathered here today probably know John 3:16 by heart, forward and backwards. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have, have everlasting life. Now, the Christmas story kind of starts with Mary. Maybe that's why we say Merry Christmas. Not really. But Mary's a young Jewish girl. Uh, She's praying one day, as young Jewish girls would have been doing. 
And suddenly an angel appears before her and announces that she, this young virgin, was going to give birth to God's son. And a short time later, she heads off to visit uh, her cousin, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who would be parents of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth says to Mary, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? And when she says that, Mary breaks into this wonderful, beautiful song, this beautiful poetry found in Scripture. Uh, Dennis said that uh, in the text it's called Mary's Song, but some of you know it as the Magnificat. It reminds us of the meaning of Christmas. And I want to just take a closer look this morning at, at Mary's song and, and uh, consider why, again, Christ came into this world and why this is such a great thing. Here's the first thing. He came for the humble. In verse 48 and verse 52 of what Dennis read before, it says, He has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. Now, of course, he's talking about Mary there. But it says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. Now, you stop and think about that. Who did Jesus come for? He came for lowly people. You can, they say you can often tell what your new pastor is going to be like by listening to his first sermon. Now, I don't know if any of you even remember my first sermon. I preached it here two years ago this coming Sunday. I was here just to visit you all. Anybody remember Jesus' first sermon? That's a tough question on a Christmas morning, isn't it? And if you've remembered it, do you remember his text? Well, his first sermon... He based it on the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he preached on Isaiah chapter 61. And his text says, the text says that he had been, he said, I've been sent by my father to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. In other words, Jesus said, I have come into this world to help hurting people. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, he said, I have not come to call the righteous, I have come to call sinners. See, he didn't come to congratulate good people, he came to minister to people who really weren't good so that they could become good. He didn't align himself with powerful people, but if you see those people that Jesus hung around with, who were they? They were the weak and the lowly, they were the common and the ordinary. When God chose to enter history, he could have chosen any method. Uh, He could have announced his arrival to the kings, uh, but the kings would have been threatened. He could have told the religious leaders of the day, but we know from history the religious leaders weren't particularly listening. He could have announced it to the rich people, but the rich people weren't interested about anything of a natural uh, thing. Instead, what does he do? He chooses a very young girl, a humble carpenter, to raise the child who would become a king whose kingdom would be without end. You know, Jesus taught us, and Paul reminds us, that we're saved by faith, not by works. We're saved by God's goodness, not our own. And if we're not humble enough to recognize that, then we'll miss out on the whole point of Christmas, and we'll miss out on getting the best gift anyone could ever get. That's why the Bible says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The second thing Jesus came for, he came for the poor. In verse 53, he said, 
he has filled the hungry with good things, but has seen the rich, he sent the rich away empty. So when, you know, when Jesus came into the world, there was no such thing as uh, Social Security. There was no such thing as Medicare, Medicaid, um, and there was no such thing as Obamacare either. Um, you know, that was there to de- design to meet the needs of the poor. A poor person in the days of Jesus had very few options, and they truly lived a very desperate life. The Roman society into which Jesus was born was based upon kind of a racist, elitist, oppressive class system that made it impossible for people really to rise above whatever level of life they happened to be born into. Uh, The poor were destined to remain poor. Uh, Those most vulnerable in this system, and it's the reason why God tells us always to pray for them, were the widows and the orphans. Now, in the country that you and I live in, here in America, we are indeed blessed. And we're blessed so much that we actually have kind of a distorted view of the poor. Now, the official poverty level here in America for a family of four in most parts of our country is about $19,000 a year. Now, by comparison, in India, it's about $600 a year. Now, generally speaking, when we talk about poor people in America, we often talk about people who do without luxuries, not necessities. And the truth is, there's a certain amount of poverty. I hate to put it this way, but some of this poverty is self-inflicted. Plus, there are individuals in our society today who have developed a method for beating the social service system at our expense. But be that as it may, it doesn't give us permission to turn our backs on those who are genuinely poor. And we have those people among us. There are hundreds of thousands of them here in our country and multiplied millions throughout our world. And just as it was back in the days of Rome 2,000 years ago, those most vulnerable are the very old and the very young. Now, I heard an amazing statistic not long ago. It says that donations and charitable gifts always increase during Christmas season. Kind of interesting. Many nonprofit organizations, actually, probably many of you got a lot of letters. I've gotten a lot of letters, too. It's the end of the year. Would you want to contribute? But many of them plan their biggest fundraisers at this time of the year because they know that people are far more generous at Christmas time than any other time of the year. Now, you stop and think about it. You might ask yourself, how can people afford to be more generous at this time of the year? After all, they have more expenses now than they do at any other time of the year. They've got presents to buy for their kids. They've got presents to buy for their grandkids. They've got presents to buy for the cousins, their aunts, their uncles, their nieces, their nephews, their brothers, their sisters, their co-workers, and maybe even their boss. They have Christmas parties to go to. They've got pageants to attend. They've got Christmas decorations to buy. They've got extra food to haul in and on and on and on. So how is it that people still have so much to give at this time of the year? Well, the study said it's because December is the one month of the year where people are least likely to spend money on themselves. That's kind of interesting. December is the one month where people are least likely to spend money on themselves and instead tend to think about other people for a change. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the study said. See, the fact is, we could probably do year-round what we do at Christmas if our year-round priorities were the same as our Christmas time priorities, where we adopted 
a somebody else attitude first. Jesus came for the poor. Jesus spoke out for the poor because, quite honestly, they had no voice to speak out for themselves. He spoke out for them because they matter to him. And I have discovered in my life that anything that matters to God has to matter to us. He came for poor people. The third thing is he came for the lost. And I think that's the most important part. Verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In the opening verses of the Magnificat, uh, Mary acknowledges her need for a Savior. Uh, Jesus came into a lost world. Uh, He came, as he said in Luke 19, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, he didn't come into a world only to teach us a better way, which is what some people say. Oh, yeah, Jesus is a good guy. Taught us how to live a better way. Uh, He didn't come just to show us how to live, even though some people say, oh, yeah, he he, kind of gave us a great way to live our life. He didn't come simply to heal the sick or raise the dead, even though he did all of those things. Nor did he come into this world to condemn it, though he certainly had every right to do it. But what Jesus did was come into this world to save this world because this world needed a Savior. Or if I'd make it more personal, Jesus came into this world to save you because you need a Savior. From the very beginning, in fact, we could say even before the beginning time, before the world was ever created, God had a plan. And God's plan was that Jesus would save us from our sins. Before Jesus was ever born, you may remember, if you were here last night, if you remember the Christmas story, Luke 2, verse 11, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What began in Bethlehem, friends, was finished at the cross. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, including your sins and my sins. As far as I'm concerned, if you ask me, what'd you get? I'd say, that's what I got. I got a Savior. I got a Savior who died for my sins, and that's the greatest gift that anyone could ever have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, in this season of Christmas, even as we open our individual gifts, that we remember the greatest gift of all, the gift that you gave us through your Son. For your Son who came to seek out those who are humble, those who are poor, and those who are lost. Help us focus truly on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.